You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. In the book of Corinthians, it's like they have apparently written Paul and said, you know what, we got some things we just don't know what to do about. We're not sure what your, maybe God's mind is about these subjects. So they asked him all these questions, and he's responding to them. And I think um, the subject he's on tonight is about marriage. Um, And it was, um, they must have had some odd customs back in that day. And they did from some of the materials you can read about um, back in this day. And they needed to have them cleared up. And some of Paul's answers, um, well, all of the answers he gives are uh, a pattern for us to be able to follow in our own lives. But uh, what really amazes me is how Paul answered it. He answered it in a way that, you know, well, you'd stop and probably look at, you know, well, here's, here's the family values that we ought to have. And based on our family values, here's what a marriage should look like or what you should be thinking about in light of a marriage but um, he really comes at it from a wholly different angle that really underlines every subject that we ought to be considering in life it just happens to be the subject of marriage that he's setting underneath as a foundation for what he's talking about here tonight I love the way he did it we're going to bring that out here tonight keeping this is the title of the message keeping an eternal perspective when considering marriage. Keeping an eternal perspective when considering marriage. So 1 Corinthians 7, let's drop down to verse 25. We've already covered these other sections earlier, and it's been so long that uh, you probably forgot what we've even discussed and carried, uh, carried on with. But chapter 7, down to verse 25. All right, and we'll read down to, well, the end of the chapter. So, so now, when he starts off, now, concerning virgins, uh, it's like, let me address this new question that you guys have been dealing with. So here's my answer. He's kind of like um, how he breaks it down for them. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful Now, what he's saying is, I can't go back in any written scripture that's already written and pull out the answer for you. But he's saying, I think I have a good answer for you. Well, hey, guys, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him at at this point. So he's got a really good answer. As a matter of fact, he's got the right answer. (laughs) So this is being inspired as he's given it and writing it um, at this time. So notice what he says in verse 26. I suppose, therefore, that... This is good for the present distress. You should notice that. There's a bell ringer right there. um, That uh, this is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, um, but I spare you. This I say, brethren, 
another bell ringer. Um, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as uh, though they possessed not. And then notice this phrase as well, and they that use this world as, uh, as not abusing it, for uh, the fashion of this world passeth away. This world is slowly passing away. But I would, have, uh, I would have you without carefulness or worry. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. Interpretation by roses on Valentine's Day. Ladies, your one and only chance in all the world to say amen, and you miss that. So let's see how he may please his wife. Yeah, verse 34, uh, there is difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband, bake him cookies, um, back rubs, and all those things. Guys, that was our chance right there. Amen. Amen, amen. Verse 35. And this I speak for your own profit. Did you see that? Not that I may cast a snare upon you. This is not to put it into some bondage. Uh, but for that which is comely. And that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. He says, that's my real, that's my real purpose for what I'm saying here. Is that you might be able to serve God more completely. Okay. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age, and need so require, let him do what he will. He sinneth not, let them marry. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. So then, he that giveth her in marriage, um, we're thinking this is a father giving his daughter in marriage, doeth well. But he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better, for the reasons he mentioned earlier, which we'll cover here in a little bit. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she's at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Wow. There's a lot in there. And there's a lot of wording in there that makes you go, what? What was he? Who? And who's given this person? And what's that all about? I'm not going to be able to cover it all in one message. But I am going to lay the foundation for what Paul was trying to say. And if you can get the foundation for what he was trying to say, not only will the subject of marriage clear up for many, but also a lot of other things that you might have questions about what you're going to do in life. Why you should or shouldn't do things in life. Decisions that you should or should not make in life will instantly come to light and God can help you to have a better understanding of what may be you should decide. Let me have prayer here and then we'll get into this. God, again, we're grateful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's a blessing to be under the teaching and preaching of your word. And I thank you for what you've given to us here this evening. 
May we have uh, open hearts and eyes of understanding, our moms and dads to understand it for their family and uh, our teenagers for their own selves at some point. But may God's Holy Spirit shed light on what you've said here tonight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, like I've already said, Paul is continuing to answer the questions that the Corinthians had. They had lots of them. They were varied. They, they went in a lot of different directions. But tonight, this is talking about what about the single person marrying. So, beginning in chapter 5, Paul begins answering the case uh, or the issue of human sexuality. And he goes into it into some depth. If you want to go back and look at that. All of chapter 7 here that we're in tonight is devoted to the subject that can give the greatest sorrow or the greatest joy if it's treated properly. Uh, This is an emotionally charged subject, uh, the subject of marriage, uh, the happiness or the, the sorrow of marriage. And a lot of what Paul says here tonight could be a blessing to those of us already married or those anticipating uh, the potential of marriage. So number one, the context of his teaching. What do you mean by context? Well, what was in the background? What was going on at the time he was saying this? I've got little issues going on here, if you'll just forgive me. But what was, uh, if the Argus leader was printing in that day, what would the headlines be? What could you find on the at least first two or three pages of that newspaper or World News Tonight? What would they be talking about? Well, Paul deals first with this present crisis. Go back into verse 26. And it's important that you see this. Maybe even underline will help you in years down the road to come back and say, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Verse 26, I suppose therefore that, you know, since he's dealing with this subject, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. So what I'm going to say after this, um, what we're going through in society and in life at this time has a lot to do with the answer I'm going to give you guys. He's trying to say here. So there was a present disaster that was looming during that time, but Paul doesn't say necessarily what it was. But in every time, Christians have always faced some kind of persecution and and if we were answering the question that Paul was talking about here we may have a different background or a different setting to it but Paul had his Uh, and it's clear that the people of the day that he was writing this letter to it's clear that they knew what Paul was talking about though we don't know personally what this present distress was I don't know what the big issue was going on at that time I don't know if the president had given his uh, State of the Union address uh, just the night before or whatever was going on at in their day and age. But they knew that they that was obvious to them. For some reason, it wasn't necessary for us to know what the distress was for us to have a right answer about this subject of marriage. So 15 years, guys, if you put your finger on this time right here and run forward in time 15 years, Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. That's a very big deal. So there's a lot of turmoil in the air uh, uh, society uh, during that time, uh, religiously during that time. And most believe that this approaching doom was the manner in which Nero, if you remember the wicked ruler Nero, this Roman emperor that 
his background is a whole lot of what this present distress probably was all about. You remember who Nero was and what kind of a leader he was, guys? Listen, he would, uh, he would take Christians, this is how he viewed Christianity, and take Christians, whole families, and would sew animal skins, sew them up in animal skins, take them out into the arena, toss that family out into an arena, and with those animal skins sewn around their bodies, would loose the lions or wild dogs. And what do those hungry animals do? There's an, uh, you know, another animal that we normally eat out in the wild. And they begin to rip the bodies of those Christians up and so forth. And we could go on with many other gruesome things that Nero did. Just to, just to remind you, the background to this answer was a present distress. And he says, with that in mind... Can I begin addressing some of the things that you guys have questions about? Little, uh, little reminder for us. We too are in crisis mode here today in the world that we live in. Maybe not as persecuting as it was in the day of Nero. Uh, nonetheless, Satan is just as busy taking Christians down today. We have our own backdrop, don't we? We have our own New York passing their wicked laws about abortion right up until the day of birth of a little baby. I mean, we've got some pretty wicked things going on in society today as a backdrop for us, don't we? And if the answer to some of their questions was being given, the basis would be much the same, but the background would be uh, probably somewhat different. So uh, we need to know the context Paul was speaking of. Uh, um, If it was the persecution Paul was speaking about, then marriage may have have been something to consider whether or not, you know, a man would want to go to war, married or not. Um, For instance, if if, um, an army was coming in against the city and uh, you were a married man and you had a wife and maybe some little children, it's one thing for a husband to know how to run and hide and to fight his way out of a skirmish, but to have a wife and little children at your feet trying to do the same thing, might make you think twice about getting married at a time like this, possibly, with the looming wars and the persecution that was going on. I'm just saying um, he's talking about some kind of present distress for some obvious reason. The second verse that gives us context is in um, verse 29. Can you go back down there with me? But this I say, brethren, the time is short. And we'll just leave it at that for just a moment. The time is short. Why would he say that? Because it's backdrop. It's context. It helps those considering marriage at that time to really stop and mull over in their minds. Should this be a time frame for us when the time is short? Whatever he means by that. Um, James, you go back into the, don't need to turn to the book of James, but tells us that our life is like a What? It appeareth for a little while and then it vanisheth away. It's like a vapor, like a, those who like to brew tea. Um, and watch that steam coming up. It's Boy, it's hot about right here, but up here it's just all but gone. It just appeared, had its life for a little while, and then it was gone. And what Paul is saying, guys, considering the subject of marriage at this time, or let's just be honest, any decision that you're having to make in life, realize time is short. There's a backdrop to what's going on in your life. Time is also short. Uh, Paul may be speaking about how maybe death is approaching all of us, and it is. Um, Or that Jesus Christ is coming soon. 
That may be what he meant by time is short. Uh, but nevertheless, what we can draw from this is the way we make decisions is influenced by time. I mean, how many times did you look at your watch and say, when will she be ready? We've got to leave and get to church on time. Or i got to get to work on time. Or, you know, we've got to get this package out. Or, I mean, time gauges basically everything that we do in life. And Paul is saying, guys, just understand, you need to redeem the time and spend your time wisely considering this particular subject. Um, time is a factor in the decision of marriage or anything in life that we're dealing with. And then number four, um, look at verse 31 for another verse that explains context. Much of what we're saying tonight has to do with the backdrop. And a backdrop just is so important to understanding a passage of Scripture. Verse 31. And they that use this world as not abusing it um, for the fashion of this world passeth away. Think about that. The, way, the world as we know it is passing away. And it one day will fold up and wrap up like a garment and be tucked away. The world in its present form will soon pass away. Uh, go with me to 1 John chapter 2. Hold your place here in Corinthians and go back to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John tap, chapter 2 and drop down to verse 15. And look at these three verses here. Um, 1 John 2.15 Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now notice verse 17, listen. And the world, what? Passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So, the world Truly, guys, in light of any subject that you're dealing with, major decisions, understand that this world is passing away. And what, can you listen to this very carefully? This is really critical for what I really think Paul was trying to pull up in front of the eyes of these moms and dads and these singles who are wanting to know this subject of marriage. <clears throat> Here's what he's trying to do, and I believe with all my heart. He's trying to bring eternity into people's minds when making major decisions in this life. In particular, this one on the subject of marriage in our, in our text here. Understand, look at it from eternity's light. Understand one day I will stand before God in heaven. And really, what will really have been important when I stand before God and give an account for all of life's events? What would really be important? And what things are really frivolous? And what things that I think are really so important to have in a marriage or in a job that I'm seeking or in other major decisions? I just have to have this. And if I don't get this, all oh, my life will just fall apart. If you look at it from eternity's eye and understand time is short, this world is passing away, think about it from heaven's view, does it really matter all that much? What really does matter when you're considering something as serious as the subject of being married to somebody the rest of your life? Look at it from heaven's perspective. Not just that I think he's, uh, you know, whatever girls say today about a guy that looks really handsome 
Or I think she's really, I guess back in George Arnott's day when he was a teenager, they used to say, boy, isn't she a tomato? I mean, that was, that was supposed to be a girl that looked really sh- sharp. Okay. I think my wife would throw a tomato at me if I said, honey, you're just, you're just sharp looking tomato tonight. But um, is that really what your criteria is when choosing a mate or considering marriage? What would really matter in light of eternity? And I think Paul's trying to bring that into their perspective here is eternity. Are you guys considering this as a, as a backdrop to what you're asking me? Um, Again, I said it earlier, many of us will read this passage from the context of, well, um, we have some family values and things that we think are very critically important to have in a family. And you should. I mean, it's critical for a good marriage and a good home. But Paul has come at it from a different angle with us here tonight. In other places, he deals heavily with family values and other things. It's not to set those aside. It's just at this time, he's turned that diamond around a little bit. and We're looking at a different facet here. So, first of all, he says there's a crisis to consider. Time is short. And uh, the world's passing away. So, with eternity in mind, are you really thinking about this event in light of eternity? Uh, the world as we know it, it is so passing. Guys, we are, our society, I don't know if anybody, well, I'm not going to go into politics. I am so sickened by what's happening in our country. Stomping on God's values all in the name of God. Um, The world's passing away. We are slowly ruining what is down here And I understand why God's going to scour with fire this whole world, get rid of the mess that we've made of it. Um, But it's going to be folded up one day like a garment, the Bible says, and tucked away. It's going to be like a play. You know, one day the play that you've been watching unfold in front of you, one day that curtain is going to drop and everything we saw on the stage is just going to vanish. So what's really going to matter What should you really be thinking about? I address our young people tonight. What should you really be thinking about when considering a mate or the time frame for marriage and so forth? That's what Paul's trying to kind of shake us a little bit and kind of take them beyond or a little deeper than what their questions have been up here on the surface. So please notice there is a connection between the subject that he addresses about getting married and the condition and and the time frame of the world that we live in. Something to consider. So um, let's look at, uh, we talked about the context. Let's look at his concern that he has about what he's teaching here. First of all, considering those concerns, Paul was concerned, first of all, about their protection. Look in verse 35, if you'll drop back down there with me. Look in verse 35. He says, in this I speak for your own profit, not that I may cast a snare upon you, put you into bondage but for that which is comely, good things for you guys, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. My whole intention has been for good things for you, he says. So, uh, first of all, uh, he's concerned about their protection. I'm saying this for your own good. That's what he's trying to say to them. Not to restrict you and feel like you've been bound up and like I can never do anything in this life. It's not 
That's what, not what he's trying to do. In other words, he wasn't trying to bring them into bondage, but to protect them from the potential trouble that they might face in marriage or things that may hinder your service to God. Hey, listen, or things that you may not know how to get victory over once you've gotten married and you feel like, I'm so restricted, I can't serve God like I wanted to serve God before. And he's trying to get them to understand, I'm just trying to help you to look at this from a different angle. Uh, he tells them there's a lot of trouble in marriage that can potentially happen. This is not the time to say amen. There's a lot of trouble that can come up in marriages. Look in verse 28. He says, guys, but and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. By the way, pause button right there. What if everybody just says, okay, Paul, best thing for us to do is not get married. What if every Christian in the world said that? and we're not going to get married, where would we be? We'd be in a Christless world. We wouldn't have anybody, any children being raised up for God because they would have died out with all the Christians. So it's obvious God's will is not for everybody to remain single. But he's just trying to speak to you about priorities, whether you're single or even after you're married. So now in verse 28, But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, What's he saying here? Such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. So, you know, uh, let me talk to um, let me talk to the singles here tonight. Truth of the matter is, those of you who are single, if you wanted to, you could just drive away from here tonight, single, go into Culver's, sit down and eat a turtle Sunday kick back and smile and watch everybody culver's ice cream is so good eric you should try that sometime eric loves culver's ice cream he lets me know real quick it's not ice cream you guys could uh you can go to Flyboys donuts if they're still open sit down enjoy a few donuts if the bowling alleys are open guys you can go to the bowling alley you singles yeah you can do all those things go home turn the tv on watch the fake news if you want i mean it's all available to you. You're single. But if you're married tonight, I'm going to tell you something. You better go home. <laughs> you better not be the guy that's down there at Culver's or, honey, where are you at? Well, I'm at Flyboys. I'll be home in just a little bit. It's okay, honey. Well, I'm here putting the kids to bed, and are you ever going to come in? I mean, can you, can you imagine that? I mean, um, Paul's just saying when you get married, there's a whole lot more that's going to happen in marriage, and you're going to have to take care of the family. Um, you're worse than an infidel if you don't, he says. And you're a godly man if you take care of your family. Ephesians teaches us that. We'll learn that Sunday morning in, in our morning's message. So he's not saying just because there's more trouble within a marriage, better not get married. He's just saying, have you stopped to consider that in light of your serving God? Because it'll be different. And it takes an adjustment. Can any married couple say an amen to this? It takes an adjustment for uh, a man and a woman, once they're married, to learn how to get their actions to blend together so that you're, st <clears throat> you're in sync with serving God together. Otherwise, you'll have two sets of values. She thinks it ought to go this way. The husband knows it ought to be this way. And, and you're clashing. And you, you know that you want to get there and teach that Sunday school lesson or be a great blessing at the house of God. And uh, here you go, arguing all the way to church and walk in the door and put that plastered smile on. And you know you're getting nowhere. 
And he's just simply saying, have you stopped to consider that there needs to be a whole lot of working and blending together. It's going to take time to do that. And it's good, valuable time. It's well-spent time. He's just saying, I'm trying to get you to open your eyes to understand this. Um, why does he have to say that? Because a lot of couples have not stopped and thought about that. A lot of marriage counseling is because they didn't stop to consider how tough it was going to be. And plan for it. And open-heartedly think about it between God and them or them together. He said in verse 35, I tell you this to profit you. This is for you. It's for your good. And then that they would be men and women of devotion. He wanted them to be strong in the Lord. Another reason why he was uh, saying all of these things, uh, part of his concern in verse 35. Verse 35. And this I speak for your own profit that I may not... um, Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, notice this, and that you may attend upon the word without distraction. You think Paul knew something about distractions that can happen in a marriage? Of course he did. There's probably not a couple sitting in here that's married who's not had a tough time trying to serve God because it got tough in the marriage. Husbands and wives... The husband and wife didn't, weren't getting along. We couldn't agree on this or that. And I could name a dozen things off the top of my head that it could be like, what it was about. And Paul just says, you need to think these things through in light of eternity. Work on those things. Make sure that um, you've got scripture and grace to help draw you together in those areas so that you're serving together and not in this constant turmoil and tearing, stretching each other apart. Paul knew what he was talking about. The Holy Spirit of God was working through him. And he's just saying, have you thought about these things? So, um, then lastly, and we'll be done here. Just look at the content of what Paul was saying. Back up into verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And again... Paul was trying to get them to have an eternal perspective on every decision and activity in their life. Uh, Eternity is a reality, guys. Do you understand this little capsule of time we live in is so small? We think we have so much time and and history is so large. Really, eternity, uh, compared to this little capsule of time that we live in, eternity is so broad And this little bit of space called time is so small. And the decisions you make inside that little capsule in your little tiny spot that you have in this capsule is critical that you think about what it's going to be like when you're out here. And I stand before a holy God and uh, all that I've done for God is on display and anybody I've been able to reach for God is up there with me. And, And the influence that me and my wife could have had or did have in other people's lives because our our marriage was an example possibly to others around us That's really all that's going to matter concerning marriage once you get there. Because once you get there, you're going to be as the angels in heaven that neither marry nor are given in marriage. What really matters about your marriage is the decisions you make down here. So to the husbands and wives, I mean, are you living out your married life in light of eternity? 
Or do we, and I'm putting myself right in there, do we allow uh, frivolities? I don't know if that's even a word, but it's the things that are frivolous in this life. The little things that I have made so very important. When I step into heaven, how, how important is that really, really going to be? Think about that. That's what Paul's trying to say. Have you thought about that considering your questions that you've given to me about the, uh, the subject of marriage? Eternity has an impact on people's relationships. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.